Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University of Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Juliana Hever. Man, 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 the plant-based dietitian. I'm so excited to have uh, this conversation. Went to her website. I follow her on Twitter. She has a dope podcast. She is doing a lot. And we're going to get into that. And what I love about the work uh, that she is doing is, you know, there are millions of people, hundreds of million people, I guess, in the country who have you know, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, et cetera. And, you know, you go to a doctor or nurse practitioner and they give you a pill. Now the pill, they give you, you know, that's short-term stuff. So you don't have a stroke and die, but it's not a long-term plan. And most of them don't give you a long-term plan. Quite honestly, and I don't know, but we're going to get into that about how you can actually use food as medicine and do so that is great because, you know, I'm trying to do better. But, you know, when I look at what I can eat, I'm like, I want this to be exciting, you know, like, as exciting as that cheeseburger. Uh, so for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Digital Spotify and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Juliana? Hello. Thank you for having me, Dr. Will. You are welcome. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. All right. So again, thanks for coming on. And I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And how did you find yourself in health and wellness? Such a good question. It's such a weird, disjointed story that you could only kind of make sense of it when I look backwards. And you're like Steve Jobs always says that you can't predict how things are going to happen, but you could look backwards and it all makes sense. And that's kind of exactly what happened to me. I grew up in Los Angeles, so I was dancing before I was walking and I was acting like so many people out here do. And I wanted to be an actress, of course, when I was little, but I was also very interested in nutrition and health. And one of the things that kind of jolted me into more of the health world was as a dancer, when I was in dance class in front of the mirrors, you know, doing my ballet for many, many years, one day my teacher looked up at me in front of all of my colleagues and said, Juliana, you need to cut out your snacks. And that hit me really, really hard because, well, obviously I was a young girl and it was, you know, it was really a horrible thing to hear and think about. And it led me on a journey to try to understand that, understand health and diet and body image and, you know, what is optimal for you. And I just started reading everything I can get my hands on and I stumbled upon a book when I was a teenager called Diet for a New America by John Robbins. And in this book, I was kind of blown away by how food ended up on the table, like things I had never heard. And this is, of course, mm. before the Google machine and all of that. <laughs> and uh, so I was kind of floored and I didn't want to participate in that part. I didn't want to eat animal products, but I didn't know what that meant. And so I stopped. I decided I made a decision. I'm going to not eat animals anymore. So my parents are like, what are you talking about? What, what, what does that mean? What are you going to eat? You know, we didn't know anyone that were vegetarians or anything at the time. So I was just eating the side dishes. I was eating granola bars. I was eating whatever I could that I knew didn't have animal products in it. And as any good parents would do, 
they had an intervention for me and they enlisted their friend, Kendra, who's a nurse. And we all went out to a steakhouse and they ordered me a teriyaki steak with a pineapple ring on top and proceeded to tell me how I'm going to be deficient in protein and iron and B12 and sufficiently scared me so that I remember that first bite. I talk about this in one of my books. I, I remember taking that first bite and thinking, once you know, you can't unknow. And it was a really hard first bite. But of course, we're social creatures. And I was socialized back out of fear into the normalcy of eating meat and went back to the normal. But I knew there had to be more to the story because the vegetarians aren't just dying off. You know, you're not hearing about this weird population that they're just like, not even able to survive. So I kept learning and studying. And then I wanted to be a doctor. And then I was still pursuing acting. And then I became and then my my manager of my when I was acting told me I needed to lose weight again for the camera. And so back into that world. So I started personal training, I fell in love with personal training. And I was asked about nutrition. And I didn't want to just spit out the information that I had memorized in the one chapter in the personal training handbook I had to take to you know, finish this uh, certification. So I immediately uh, enrolled in graduate school and I became a registered dietitian. It took me seven years while I was full-time personal trainer and fell in love. It was the first time in my career of, of education that I was getting straight A's and loving school and going to study. And it, I found my niche, I found my love. And then I went back with seven years of of uh, experience and information about digging into the literature and going to primary resources and statistical analyses and biochem, all of this stuff came together and I was able to reevaluate what a plant-based diet would look like. And that was it. I changed my diet, everything about my health changed and I started implementing it with my clients. And then the rest is history. It just became the most exciting work I've ever done. So as you mentioned, you are a registered dietitian. And for those people who don't know what an RD is, what is it and what is the type of work you do with clients? Well, a registered dietitian is basically someone that studies nutrition. You have to go through a very integrate process. It's not like, you know, everyone could say they're, <clears throat> excuse me, that they're a nutritionist, but a registered dietitian requires a lot of school, a didactic program and dietetics, and then uh, an internship where you spend time, most of them are comprehensive and include clinical practice. So we spent time in the hospitals and food service and, um, and coaching, like counseling, like outpatient counseling. Mm -hmm. And then you have to sit for the RD exam. And then you be, when you pass that, you become an RD. So you could work clinically, you could work outpatient, you could work at schools. There's so many different versions of what a dietitian can do. There's so many opportunities. I've kind of selected the entrepreneur version because I don't fit into any of the traditional models of what a dietitian normally practices. And I instead want to take my clients through a journey to falling in love with nutrition in a way that is sustainable for them. So I don't give them a meal plan. I don't count macros or calories or any of that. I teach people how to find food that nourishes them, how to have an overall balanced meal plan and how to, what's most exciting, get results. Like my clients mm. reduce their medications. Some of them get off their medications. They lose weight more effortlessly than ever. They sustain these results. I always love to say that results are typical rather than what we're taught, what I was taught in grad school. I never would have predicted what I see on a day-to-day -day basis, but I, I've been seeing this for 17 years. It's continually excites me. All right. So earlier you mentioned how you had read this book, you decided you didn't want to eat animals anymore. 
and this experience you had at the steakhouse. Now, after that, when did you return to being more plant-based, right? And how did you go about educating yourself more and more on that type of lifestyle living? And how did you turn all of that, right, into a brand and a business? Great questions. And it all just kind of fortuitously unfolded um, without, I mean, I guess there was an intention. I didn't know what it looked like. I switched my diet slowly. I think it was after college, I stopped eating meat, red meat and burgers and all that stuff and processed meats. And then eventually I cut out poultry and then eventually I cut out, you know, like one step, one thing at a time. And it was after graduate school when I really went back in with the ability to go, wait a second. I'm not, she told me, the nurse told me I wasn't going to get protein. And I found out that you can indeed get protein and iron sourced better in plants actually. And it was like kind of diving into the literature that gave me the confidence to go against the grain, against what I was taught, even in grad school. I also noticed because I was aware of it because of that book, I noticed little things in graduate school, like on the book that said, or the handout that said, eat three servings of dairy a day on the bottom, little, little tiny print, it said sponsored by the dairy council. It's like, well, that that's interesting. So it's like all the puzzle pieces started to come together. And when I finished all of that and I started going, I went completely plant-based. It, they didn't even really say plant-based at the time, but I went, I cut out all the animal products. I started cooking. I taught myself how to cook in a different way. This is like basically reformulating what the plate or the bowl looks like, which I'm happy to get into. It's the fun part. And I, my health changed. I had lifelong acne. I had lifelong horrible sinus infections. I was always suffering. I couldn't breathe always in the hospital, always suffering with GI tract problems. And that stuff just magically went away. So once that happened, I was like, okay, wait a second, there's more to this story. And then I started implementing it with clients as a dietitian, because at this point I'd become a dietitian. And so then it just got reinforced and validated every single day, every single experience with all sorts of different populations. And the literature continues to grow. I mean, there's been studies, you know, from back then from Dr. Dean Ornish, and there was all this stuff that was unfolding way back before, but it was all now it's just, it's overflowing with data. It's just overwhelmingly abundant right now. Mm. So this is what I'm thinking of when you're talking about all of these things and you have your, your latest book out, you've written several, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know how you do all of these things. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I only thought we had 24 hours in a day. Uh, but you are really, really working uh, to improve the lot health uh, and wellness of people. But your latest book is the Choose You Now Diet, right? And so what was the pain point of you writing the book, given books that you've written earlier? And why is it so difficult for many of us to maintain healthy living, right? Particularly if you want to go, like my job, for example, I'm an instructional technologist with a school district. So throughout the day, I may, I'm not in my office often. I'm traveling from school to school. So what's easy, it was has been the easiest for me is to pop through a drive-thru and eat something before I'm in the school to work with teachers or observe, et cetera. And that has not boded well for my waistline or my blood pressure. And so when people are, you know, living and so busy and people are traveling and all these things. How can we, 
actually live a healthier lifestyle, but in, in terms of the eating, when, as you know, uh, I, I'm in Mississippi, I, I haven't seen, you know, we don't have like a McDonald's, a plant place living where I can kind of roll through and get X, Y, and Z. How can people start to incorporate plant-based living in their daily lives when they're moving and, and just working? Well, Dr. Well, there's a lot of really good nuggets to unpack from what you just said. I'll start at the beginning. I'll say that the Choose You Now Diet is the book I always wanted to write. It's the book that when my dance teacher said to lose weight and it struck a chord that forever shifted the tra trajectory of my entire life professionally and personally, this is the story I wanted to tell, but I really needed all these decades to understand and get to the bottom of it. And my goal now with all of this experience and time is to make it easy for someone like you, for anyone. I think anyone could do this. I've worked with every population, every type of, you know, profession, every type of um, age through the life cycles, uh, people all around the world. And there's always a way to make this work. It's mm -hmm. always the food and you always have a choice. And that's the whole idea of choose you now. It's that in this moment, you get to choose, you know, life is so chaotic. We couldn't have predicted the last couple of years. And we really always, there's always things we have very little or no control over in our lives. One thing we have control over is what we eat. Mm -hmm. And so my goal with my audiences, with my readers, with my clients is to make it accessible so that anyone could do it. It's not something that you have to have special resources for. You don't have to have access to a fancy grocery store. You don't have to have culinary skills. You don't have to be, you know, there's nothing about it that's impossible for anyone. I could say that generally speaking now after all this time. So someone like what in your situation specifically, you know, anything worthwhile takes a little bit of planning and just shifting your mindset. So I have clients that work like crazy. I mean, I'm a crazy working mom too. I'm always working too, like you said. So I've realized that the way it works for me is I pick a day of the week, sometimes two, to plan. I, I've gotten, you know, experience with this. So when you're first starting, it's much more jarring and intensive, you know, intellectually, because you have to plan. Like, what am I going to, what do I want to make? what are the recipes? When am I going to make them? And then how do I execute? And so it's a process, but again, this becomes like anything, it becomes mm -hmm. habitual and anything. It's like, I always say, this is like learning a new language, right? First you're like, Ooh, I've never tried this ingredient. Like maybe you've never tried, you know, green lentils or red lentils, or maybe you've never had collard greens and you, maybe you want to try something new. So then you start adding that to your, your new words of your new vocabulary and you start stringing them together into new recipes. You maybe you find a recipe that sounds good and then you try it and it actually is really good. So you save it in a pile of recipes that you love and add it to your repertoire. Whereas if you find one that you don't love, you either tweak it or just throw it away. And nowadays with the Google and with the, the search engines that we have access to all the time, and no matter what we want to look for, it is right there at our fingertips. So if you love lasagna, just type in whole food plant-based lasagna and you'll get dozens and dozens or hundreds of options. And it's been done for you. So it's never been easier than now because you know everything has been done. So you could just follow this as a template. You could just follow these guidelines and see what you, what you love to eat because I too love food. I'm a foodie too. Everyone says, well, I'm a foodie. I can never eat that way. Well, I beg to differ because 
instead of being what you're used to, that center of the plate, a hunk of meat and a little potato and a little veggie, you have to expand past what you're used to. And you get to have this extraordinary, you know, this whole opening of this new world. And you get to look at all sorts of different options. And it's infinite, really. If you look at every cuisine around the world, there's all sorts of wonderful, delicious cuisines found in every continent that are mostly, or at least traditionally, completely plant-based, you know? There are so many options that you can't get bored and you can also make it simple and repetitive so that that new language becomes fluent with time and practice. Mm. I, we're going to talk about that again more in depth because we're going to talk about your, your live show that you have, but I want to now get into people sort of uh, educating themselves about the plant-based living. You are the plant-based dietitian. And when someone is going through that process, like where where do they start? Because again, I, I think with anyone, you want to start in a way in which there's longevity, right? Because there are a lot of people, we're in January, right? Right. There's a lot of people who are going to say, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to do this. And maybe for two, three weeks, they're in the gym, they're not eating cookies. And then after that, they go back into what they know. So how should people sort of approach that study, that process of learning, as well as I want to get into you, if you will, and talking about that, talk about when it comes to how doctors will give appeal instead of saying, okay, here's some Losartan for your high blood pressure, because I don't want you to have a stroke. However, I'm going to refer you to a registered dietitian who's going to help you get off of this medication because you don't need to be on this long term. Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of levels to that. I just had an interview for my podcast today with this um, chief of cardiology, Dr. Kim Williams, who we were just speaking about this. Some, some physicians, well, physicians aren't taught this in med school. And I've sat in on many med school lectures. I've now spoken to many physicians and I've written two peer reviewed papers and medical journal articles for healthcare professionals because they're not taught about nutrition or the extent by which they learn nutrition is okay. If there's a goiter, it's an iodine deficiency. If mm -hmm. it's, you know, rickets, it's a D deficiency. Like it's kind of, that was the extent of their, their um, education. So it's not, you know, it just wasn't part of the curriculum. And still today there are most doctors tell their patients you have to take this medication. That's, that's all because that's what they know. That's mm -hmm. you know, every, every hammer meat nail. You know, this is what they're <laughs> taught in med school. This is what they know in their armamentarium of options, but the data is, as I said, the database is absolutely growing. And so we're seeing these links where we could actually reverse disease. No one mm -hmm. would have ever been able to we never knew, except it's been decades now, but now we know that the only way we've ever actually reversed advanced stage cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes is with a plant-based diet. And this can happen with or without medication. Now, of course, talk to your doctor. I'm not giving medical advice, but I do say, I do say that results are typical because my clients do reverse these conditions that they were never supposed to recover from. And what I was taught in grad school was make sure that you, your clients don't have to escalate their dose or increase their, you know, their symptoms or exacerbate the disease process. Rather, the goal is to maintain it and to keep it, you know, in within those, that limit of where it is. 
but no, actually we can go backwards and we can make people healthier. And so it's quite extraordinary that we have this opportunity. And I think more and more people are finding out about it. Like the first conferences I spoke at with doctors, there were a few doctors there. And now the last one I spoke at before COVID was there were like, I think 11, 12, 1300 physicians in a room talking about this. So it's exponentially growing, which is very promising. And, you know, medication serves a purpose and it has saved lives. I would never say don't take medicine. I'm not that kind of person either. I don't think that we need to survive on oxygen and sunlight. I think there are, you know, we do our best that we can. The good news is that we can do a lot with diet. Diet is incredibly powerful. In fact, it's been shown now in this, in the research that diet is the number one cause of early death and disability in the world, Mm. in the world. So you are quite literally what you put on your fork. You do have a lot of power and rather that than that be a guilt, shame type of stressor type of thing. It's more like an empowering option that we all have at our fingertips. Mm. And that's all right. And that's good to hear. I, I, I remember about four years ago, my wife and I watched this documentary that was on Netflix, and I know it, it hit a storm when it was out there, what the health, and my wife and I were watching this, it was like, oh, my goodness, and, you know, for a while, again, we did the, you know, vegetarian thing uh, for a few months, uh, lost weight, looking great, but then, you know, you get out the car somewhere, and you smell like the the, the steak or, or a hamburger in the air, you're like, oh, let me go get one of those. Uh, but I remember one of the doctors there spoke about how, again, her, she would have a patient come in, high blood pressure is really high. This is okay, okay I'm going to give you this pill. But in addition to that, they actually spoke to them about a plant-based diet because she said, my goal is to get you off of this medication to change your lifestyle and not just this, you know, you're going to be taking this thing for the rest of your life. And it's interesting, again, how you're talking about, hey, I just did this conference and I'm talking to these doctors about this. And I'm glad that this uh, is really happening because even in in my own personal situation, my person did not talk to me about that. They just gave me his prescriptions and, you know, maybe they did the whole, you know, your meat shouldn't, you know, meat shouldn't be this bigger than fist and all this stuff, but they didn't talk about um, the whole idea of what about plant-based diet? Have you thought about that? Or even again, referred me to a rich dietitian who could sit down with me and say, okay, what, what, what do you like to eat? Blah, blah, blah. These are some things that you could, could do. And so in that, how can people begin to educate themselves, right? on plant-based living because if your physician isn't isn't going to talk to you about that or refer to you someone there you have to take your health into your own hands which you should be doing anyway so how do people then begin to learn to learn how to again even because now you're talking about a whole reversal in their thinking about food particularly if you're talking about someone who grew up in a locale in a family where generations this is how people have eaten and this is just what they know. Right. By the way, the other layer to the healthcare profession, the doctor in that moment with the patient is a lot of physicians argue or, or worry or they're, they're, they dominate their conversation based on the idea that the patients don't want that information. They would rather be given a pill, which is true. Sometimes there are people that don't want to bother. And I understand that. I, I spent the beginning of my career trying to convince everyone, wait a second, look what I found. I found this way to change your diet. You don't have to be a medication. 
And I was beating my head against the wall because I realized, why am I not being so efficacious with my clients? Am I, why am I, you know, I'm, I'm lacking as a dietitian. And I realized, no, and I published this in vegetarian diet. No, they have to want it. You could lead a human to healthy, but you can't make them eat. Mm. So I stopped trying to convince people. I realized if you know, there's plenty of dietitians and doctors out there. And there's plenty of people now on the internet that you could listen to if that's what you want to listen to. I won't try to convince anyone. I won't even, it's like, go ahead. There's a plenty of people out there that can help you when you want it. I will love you all the way through that process. I will get you there. Um, but you have to want it. That's a, everything starts with that desire. Um, and whether it comes from a health scare, someone in your family, a close person to you that had a health scare, watching a documentary that seems to have stimulated a lot of people's awareness, which is great. Uh, right. Reading a book, whatever it is that sparks that spark, because a lot of us can get away with eating junk for a majority of our lives. And, and a lot of times we don't even associate that with our certain health, health symptoms. You know, I didn't know that the reason my acne wouldn't go away and my sinus infections wouldn't go away is because I didn't give up dairy and sugar. Like I didn't know that until I did. And it was like, wow, when you feel it and you see it, it's really reinforcing. And then you want to just do more of that, mm-hmm. but it's, I'll say that you have to want it first of all. And I'll also say that this is really the best time there ever has been to, to learn about this because there are so many resources. And yes, this was my seventh book I've published on this. My first book came out 10 years ago and, or more than 10 years ago now, which is wild to think about. And, um, it's changed so much, like not my, the stuff in my book, it actually hasn't changed. I actually did a a second version. It hasn't changed that much. But what's changed is this awareness of what a plant-based diet is. That was when the, the whole concept that Dr. T. Colin Campbell came up with a whole food plant-based diet. That was his terminology uh, way back in the early, I guess, early 2000s. And um, that, that language, the plant-based concept is really new. And it's changed, it evolves, and it's, there's a lot of semantics involved in it. But really how I want to simplify it is I just want people to eat a variety that I just want people to eat this list. It's vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices in infinite tasty combinations. Mm. That's it. Okay. Okay. Get your, get, get her book people and, and, and learn. Um, I'm just hoping, and this is where I was getting, you know, you know, trying to figure out who to listen to because, you know, the Google is there, but you know, everything on, on the Google <laughs> isn't good for you or correct. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's one of the things to where uh, in trying to learn that you find the right person that can help serve as, as, as the, the guide in this process. So you, you have this live, these live lessons. I, I, I need to check it out because uh, one of the things that I find cool but then I'm thinking like, okay, well, how can I diversify this stuff to where I'm still excited, you know, day 30 of, of eating, you know, differently plant-based, vegetarian, et cetera. When you are cooking and, and you're showing people in these recipes, these live lessons, what are, what are, what are you showing people, right? And what are some of the ways that people can enjoy plant-based? Because like, are you showing them some plant-based desserts uh, or, you know, what kind of snacks can, can they get, you know? Because, you know, you sit and home, watch Netflix sometimes, a little potato chip, you know? Are they going to be, hit, eat, you know, chewing on a carrot for the crunch for the for a snack? Uh, what are they doing? And then here, here's how expensive is it? Because in some communities, 
there are food deserts, right? They don't have access to those grocery stores or farmer markets. Yes. A lot to unpack there too. I actually worked with a, um, a, um, food bank in a food desert. Many years ago, we designed a whole program and walked the community through the process and had extraordinary results. We never published them, unfortunately, but um, it doesn't matter where you live and what you have. There's always a way to do this. That's what I was trying to say before. But um, it, I also try, I, like there's so much mythology out there. It doesn't matter what you eat when, what's a snack, what's a breakfast. It doesn't matter. It's all marketing. It's all nonsense. It's just about eating food and when you're hungry and stopping when you feel satisfied and then whole plant food. So what I want to do is teach people how to make simple recipes that are mm -hmm. delicious. Like I want, I love to eat. I love food. I get excited about food. I fantasize about food. I look at food. I dream. I mean, I've written now published hundreds of recipes. I was never even trained as a chef. Like I taught myself how to cook and then fell in love with it because I had to for my books and I've fallen in love with it. Like, in fact, when I'm sitting around in the evening, I don't want to watch TV. I want to go in my kitchen and make food. And it's kind of weird because like, it's only one, I only live, I live alone now. And it's like, what am I gonna, so I've got a freezer full of food and I've got a lot of friends that love to stop by because I always have healthy food here. Because I just love the process. And I would have never known that that would have unfolded because I just never learned how to cook. So if I could cook like that and love to cook like that and enjoy this healthy food like that, anyone can, it's so easy. And it, be, it's, but it's, again, it's habit. And it's just about starting with one thing and not to get overwhelmed. So I would suggest if anyone's interested in starting is find something that sounds good. Or again, if you love a certain food, like you see a, um, something that you've always traditionally loved, like for instance, oatmeal is plant-based or pasta primavera is plant-based or veggie sushi or, uh, bean soup, minestrone soup. Those are all plant-based foods. We just never called them plant-based because we just never categorized them. So just going back to like, again, that list of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices, find anything with those foods in them that sound good that you've traditionally eaten and make it. And if you love it, great. If you don't love it, find a version of it out there. That's been published by someone that's a food expert that, you know, does this for a living. And they can make, like, if you add a different, like I did an experiment once I've done it, by the way, I, I share all this on social media. I do. I have tons of videos out there, tons of blog posts, as you could search on all the social media. And I'm always sharing these things because I want to make this accessible to people. But I did this one experiment once or one video, I think we took, it was like rice and beans or cauliflower rice and beans. It was rice and beans, two simple staples that everyone has access to rice and beans, frozen or the dried or canned or anything. doesn't matter. They're all fine. And I made it completely different recipes. One was like a, I think, I don't remember. One was like Mexican flavors. So I added some, like some chilies and some cilantro and some salsa. And I did like a Mexican salsa, and I did a a curry style. So it was like an Indian curry with the rice and beans. And I added, you know, those curry powders and different flavors that were from, from more Indian palate. And then I did a third one. Oh, I don't remember what it was, but I did a whole completely different palette. Maybe it was mm -hmm. Asian. It was an Asian version. So the whole point is you could take two foods or one, you could take brown rice or white or whatever, and you could transform it completely to something different that meets your palate desires. So what do you like to eat? There's options. There's options for no matter what you like. And if you live in a food desert, you can grow food. It's very easy to grow food now. There are there's stuff at every single type of market now. You can get plant-based. I mean, you can get vegetables and fruits pretty much anywhere. And if it's limited, then you just find what's seasonal, local, available to you, and you make it work. But again, you could plug in anything into a computer. You can go to a library and look through the, the recipe section and find a recipe that just has 
is made out of whole plant foods and you just make whatever you love. And then you build your repertoire. You know, we're all creatures of habit. Most of us eat one to three breakfasts, uh, you know, and maybe two to four different lunches and maybe five to six different dinners in a week max. So really all you need, if you think about it very simply, all you need is to find 10 recipes that you love and that's it. You're done. You've got a whole repertoire of healthy recipes that you love and you know how to make. And then you get all the results and feel great and you want to keep going. That's all right. I love that gem drop right there. So we have to talk about your podcast before we end this show. Uh, you launched Choose You Now podcast and you have a lot of things on your plate. So why start a podcast in the first place? And what is the most important lesson you've actually learned from a guest so far? Ooh, Ooh that's a good question. I started the podcast because people were asking me for it. I had done one before and people were asking me to start again. And I like the opportunity, just an excuse to talk to. I have some amazing colleagues and friends that I am really honored to have um, worked with, in the, interviewed in the past, worked with in the past and share their amazing wisdom because there's some really amazing people in there that um, I, I love having the opportunity to talk to and share their information with. The most interesting thing I've, I've learned so much, I guess I will sum up everything I've learned because it always comes down to the same thing, which is like, you know, we get really complicated today. Me and Dr. Williams got really complicated about the microbiome and this biochemical pathway, blah, blah, blah. But it always comes back to the simple basics. And that's what choose you now is about. It's about eating, you know, your food matters really. Um, you are quite literally what you eat. So choose wisely move, moving your body being mindful. It's always about mindfulness. That's what choose you now is about really like choosing your food, choosing to move, choosing your, the people you surround yourself in. This goes back to all, this is nothing new. There's nothing novel in what I teach or what I'm trying to share. I'm curating information that's been around for centuries, right. And has been just growing and, and just kind of evolving in the, in the way it's talked about. But, um, I, I would say it's summed up and you, you can really do a lot with, with your lifestyle and you, you have a lot of control over what happens in, in your health, not full control. You can change everything, but you can make a big impact. All right. So before we go, uh, I want to ask you about sort of a small step that people can take because even, you know, you, we've heard about meatless Mondays, uh, things like that. When people are deciding to do this, even though, you know, Meatless Monday could be a gimmick for some folks, but what do you think about people taking those smaller steps just so they can begin the process uh, versus maybe someone sort of, we're in this January again, someone saying, hey, I'm just, I'm going to become vegan or vegetarian uh, for a New Year's resolution and again, a lot of people don't keep up with those things. So is, is, do you recommend that smaller step of a meatless Monday to where, you know, they're doing this, maybe it's three months down the line and they're like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. And maybe I can turn this into two meatless days a week or whatever. Good question, Dr. Well, I think there's two types of personalities I've noticed over the years. Some like to dive in and that's how they do it. And they do all their homework and then they just go and they're very successful at that. I would say the research supports that more people need to stepwise into it for the longevity sustainability aspect of it. So I say do whatever works for you without judgment. You know, it's every bite matters. 
So make those conscientious decisions, whether it's a meatless Monday or a meatless meal, and then you, you realize how good you feel. And so you try meat a whole day and then maybe you say, I'm just going to try a few days. Maybe you're just going to have two meals of the day is going to be plant-based. doesn't matter. The more plants you eat, the more results you'll see, the better you'll feel, the more you'll want to pursue it and do however it works for you, because I'm all about now radical self-compassion and not, you know, not giving yourself too much pressure because that takes the good out of it. And it should just be good and, you know, conscientious and mindful and delicious and find your recipes that you love. And it doesn't have to be perfect because there's no, there is no such thing and whatever you'll stick to, that's going to give you the most results for you is how, how it would optimally go down. Wow. That's all right. Thank you, Juliana, for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Will. You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. So I need you to subscribe, subscribe, and share with your network. And though I am on all major podcast platforms, I am trying to grow on Apple Podcasts, where you can also subscribe to Juliana's podcast as well. So leave a message, people. The, The stars are great, but leave that note, that comment, because I am trying to be found on Apple Podcasts, as well as I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Juliana Hever, for dropping so many gems and thanking you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace. <music>